You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. <laughs> you know, because I don't have to wait for Easter. <laughs> for resurrection power to happen. There is resurrection that will take place in this house this morning. And uh, I said to the Lord, you know, a lot of times when we begin to talk resurrection, and we begin to say there are things in your life that God has spoken, that God has deposited. There are things you've heard him say, speak about, and you've trusted him for, and at some point you gave up. And, 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 and it died. And when we begin to talk about resurrection, you're like, Yo, you don't know how long this thing has been dead. And so I battled with that a little to say, Lord, I believe you for resurrection, but help your people. And he says, no, it's not difficult. He told me that while I sat here. <laughs> he says, it's not, it's not difficult. They have what it takes to believe in resurrection power. I said, really? He says, yes. (laughs) You cannot struggle to believe that that which is dead in you, which should be alive, will live. He says, no, they can't struggle with that. After all, so I'll start this way and then I make it good after that. After all, there are things that are alive in them that should be dead. And they are keeping alive. And there are things that died and they resurrected it. Uh-huh. There are things in us, and I'm not talking about the things that should die in us today, but I'm trying to help us see that you can actually believe in the resurrection power of God. Because there are things he has told you to let go of. There are things he has said to you should die. And one day you said, okay, I let go of it, it's dead. And tomorrow it comes up again. You believe in the resurrection power of God when it comes to your flesh. And when it comes to doing according to what pleases you. When you decide, I'm not going to let go of this offense or this anger or whatever it is. When you decide, I'm not going to let go of this habit or this thing. Or when, or when you've let go at some point and you run back to it. When you let go of something that was supposed to have been dead and somehow you went back to the sin that so easily besets you, you believe in resurrection. Amen. Amen. You are a believer. Because if you didn't believe in resurrection, those things won't come alive. So this morning I'm saying to us, there are things that have died that must come alive. Amen. Amen. Yesterday I was saying to the Lord, most of you know it was my birthday. And thank you for all those greetings. (laughs) And I was saying to the Lord, it's a new year. I have less time. You know, when we say, oh, happy birthday, the Lord has added to you another year, uh, he's actually subtracted. Because if you had 90 years and you've done 50, (laughs) he did not add. (laughs) 
it's just been subtracted. And so I said, I don't have, I don't know how many years I have, but I know I've used a lot. And I said, I, I need to make sure, Lord. And, and it was, a, I was sober. And I said, Lord, the rest of my days, help me to use it well. And he brought back this word again. He says, there are things that you carry. There are things that I even spoke to you about. There are things that I deposited. There are powerful things that are in you that you let go of. And if you do not do anything about it, you will go to the grave without resurrecting it. You will go to the grave without ever seeing it manifest in your life. And so this morning when I, I sat at the back and I watched us come in and I watched different women and I'm thinking and, I'm, and I got really excited because I'm thinking, Lord, I can just imagine resurrection taking place in each woman in this place. I can just imagine the different things you've put in them coming alive. This will be a dangerous group of women. And I want you to know you don't have all the time in the world. You may not have as little, well, I can't say little because I live longer than a lot of people. <laughs> so let me not shorten my days. <laughs> but you may think, no, I have plenty of time. But you don't have that much time. And if you realize that you don't have that much time, and you know that there are things in you that need to come alive, then it's time for it to be resurrected. Amen. 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 The Bible says he's the resurrection and the life. Amen. I'm going to read from John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Just, if you give me verse 25 first, then I, I, I'll go to the top again. But I just want John eleven twenty-five. Hallelujah. Can we all read this together as loud as you can? And Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Can we read it again? If you go to the beginning of this chapter, you know that is the story of Lazarus. Amen. Amen. And I will read it just so we get context. But if you know the story, you know Lazarus had what? He had died. And when they called Jesus to tell him about the death of Lazarus, or when he was sick, when Lazarus was still sick, Jesus said, okay, I'm coming. And he didn't move immediately. Amen. He stayed on. Let's go from verse 1. Okay, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister, Martha. It was, that Mary, it was that Mary who had anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick 
He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Can we pause? So (laughs) Jesus loved them. And then he heard that Lazarus was sick. And he did not run immediately. He stayed two more days. I wonder why. I thought you loved me. Lord, I thought I was that favorite one you had. I thought I was beloved of you. How is it that you know that I'm going through stuff and you are staying away? How is it that I've called upon you and you are silent? I'm not hearing you yet. I've done all that I know to do. And yet I cannot hear you. Why are you not running to answer me? I think I have a memorial with you. I think there are certain things I have done right. Amen. I've been good. Even if I have not been good, what of my sister? What of the one that wiped your feet with her hair? What of the one that lavished you? How is it that you are not running to our rescue? He stayed two days in that place. Verse 7. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, but because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said. And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Listen, I pray this morning that the Lord speaks to you. I pray this morning that you begin to see some of the things that have died. You begin to see them as they are sleeping. And I just need to awaken them. Amen. I believe this morning that we're going to hear the Lord call out to us from the valley. I'm speaking to you because I know what the Lord is doing in my life using this word. And if he's able to work in me using this word, he's able to work in you. So let's go wake him up. Verse 12. Then his disciples said, Lord, if if he sleeps, he will get well. They didn't understand. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was talking about, or speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. This blows my mind. He says, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad that I wasn't even there. I'm glad he died. I'm glad. Listen, have you been in that place where you still have some hope? Are you following? There's still a little bit of light. And then you're thinking, if God can just move now, just now, 
if he, if there's this window of opportunity, if you can just move, Lord, my faith is about to finish. <laughs> you know, when you feel as if you are at the end of your rope, the faith is about to run out. If you can just come within this period, I think we'll be good. Please come now. And the Lord does not come now. And then he waits until you have been dead for some days. If you continue to read down, you would see where Mary and Martha, they said, Jesus, if you had come, if, if you had just been a little bit early, if you had not taken so much time, I am sure my brother will still be alive. If you had come at the time you said you were going to come, if you had come when my faith was still fiery, Lord, if you had come just after I received that prophetic word, if you had come when I was so sure that what you said you would do, you would do, I will be in a good place right now. Amen. Lord, the reason why I am where I am is because I waited for you at that time. I received a word of prophecy and I thought, yes, surely you will come now. I remember a time when uh, my children could not go to school. You guys remember that time too. And we moved to Johannesburg and things got rough for us. And we were not able to continue, or they were not able to continue in school. And so I told them, wow, you're going to be homeschooled. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> you know, it, it was now like something everyone should do. If you're not homeschooling, you're missing, you've missed it. <laughs> so I, I made it clear that, man, what we're about to do is fantastic. Children, we're going to homeschool you. And when we, when I, we came to that decision and we told them, Something happened, which I've shared in the past, where I had an encounter with the Lord. I was lying, I was upstairs and I was lying down, and, and I had that encounter, the same kind that I believe that Abraham had when he offered up Isaac. When it was about, listen Lord, even if you don't do this for me, I'll forever serve you. Amen. And, and that's what I had with him. I had that encounter where it was like, if they never go to school, if I never have a place to sleep, if I have to go to a shelter, I will continue to serve you. Are you following? And I had all that with him. And at that point, the Lord said to me, now I know that you fear me. Now I know that you love me. And at that point in time, wow, I was excited. I thought, ah, oh, that means my children are going to school tomorrow. <laughs> After all, he just confirmed something. After all, he just told me, now I know. So if he said, now I know, so I expect a miracle. I expect that he's about to do something. And I'm waiting for that thing he's about to do. And it took another two years. It took another two years. And it is a time when you begin to say, Lord, did you not say Lord, I was ready. I had, I had said, I don't mind. And you were the one that came back and said, now I know. 
So if you had said to me, now I know, that means you're about to do something tomorrow. Why did you tell me now I know if it's not something happening tomorrow? You say now I know and there's two years to go. Lord, why did you not come when Lazarus was still sick? Lord, why did you not come when I still had faith? Why did you not come when I received the prophetic word hot from the press? Why did you not come? I was so sure that this will happen. Lord, why has it taken so long? Why did you wait until I cannot believe you anymore? I don't know who is in that place this morning. Who is saying, Lord, it's a little bit late. I've buried that dream. I have kept, you, you know, I've forgotten it. It's okay, let's face other things. But he's saying to you this morning, just like he said to me, I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and I am the life. I am the resurrection. I want you to sink in. He is the resurrection and he is the life. In other words, even though it has taken all that time, even though it has taken time and it has died, he's saying, I have what it takes to resurrect it. And when I do it, you would know that it is I who has done it. So that all glory will come to me. Amen. Do you know that in hospital, if someone dies when they've been treating him and suddenly he goes, they have what it takes to shock him back to life. But can you picture him dying for three days and four days and suddenly he comes back to life? Sometimes God will do what he would do so that even Dr. Salome Gundo, <laughs> yes, Maswime, I know she's Maswime, cannot bring it back to life except he brings it back to life. But he's saying to you this morning, I am the resurrection and the life. There are things that has been buried. There are things that has died, things that are sleeping that you think will not come back to life. But I have news for you. They must come back to life because I need those things in your life. They must come back to life. And there is such a thing known as the fullness of time. Our problem is that when things do not happen at the time we expect it to happen, and when that seed falls to the ground and dies, the Bible says unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. And when the seed falls to the ground and dies, we decide that it's not resurrecting again. We decide it's over with this seed. But that seed will still come up. Amen. Now, I was looking at Abraham. And I was looking at Sarah. And these are people that you've read about. You know their stories, amen? amen. Where the Lord is saying to Abraham, your wife, Sarah, is going to have a baby, is going to have a son. And Sarah is laughing and saying, how is it possible? 
Why? Because I'm stricken in age. Because it's gone way past time. How many of you know what I mean? When I say some situations have gone way past expiry date. There's, it's like, Lord, forget it. I said to one of my sisters, she's here this morning. I said, I know that sometimes when you've been trusting God for so long, and when things in your life look like they're not working, even though you may still be believing him, sometimes it has tarried so long that you don't talk about it anymore. Or you, 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 you become too ashamed to tell people that I'm still trusting God. I believe Sarah could not tell people I'm trusting God. I believe Sarah came to the point where she could not say, you know what, I'm still trusting God. I know that I'm 90 years old, but I believe God is going to do this. I think she came to the point where she was not able to tell anybody. And some of us might be in that place this morning where you feel what, I, what the Lord has said to me and what I've been trusting him for is dead and buried. How am I going to tell somebody that I'm still believing? How can I tell any human that my marriage that has been in trouble for 15 years, I'm still trusting God? How am I able to tell anyone that my husband who left me for many years, I'm still trusting God? Some of you know the story, and Pastor has spoken about it. He grew up, and his dad left for a very long time. But his mother was a woman of prayer, powerful woman of God. And this man had not been around for many years. I've been married to him for so many years, and I never saw him. And this woman continued to trust God for this one man. Listen, even I was like, why? Is he God? <laughs> what, you know, what is he carrying? <laughs> that is so fantastic. <laughs> that for so many years, even when his children were so young, because he didn't live when they were in their teens or when they got married. No, for a very long time. How can you be trusting God for him? Show me his picture. <laughs> no. I need to see this man. That you can hold, you know, you've been holding on for many years. But she didn't let go. She didn't let go. I'm speaking to us this morning. She did not let go. Years and years and years and years, look, 20-something, probably 30-something, I don't know how many years. This relationship died. It decayed. It decomposed. But she continued to believe. The difference between you and that woman of God is that she continued to believe. Until one day, our hunk came back. <laughs> he had to be one for her to have waited like that. 
tall, dark, and handsome. In her eyes. Not because he wasn't in mine. But you know how it is, like, really? (laughs) But he came. He returned. And the only reason he returned was because a woman for years held on, even though it was dead, even though it was finished. There was nothing. Listen, the only people that knew she was still waiting were her children. She wasn't announcing, I'm still trusting God for this man. Because it would have looked like foolishness. They would have said, you see, that's why they say Christians are stupid. Yes, how can you still be waiting for one man after everything he did to you? Or are you telling me that when he comes back, you're going to take him back? She says, yes, I will take him back. He's my husband. I've been praying for him. The day I was joined to this man, I said, no one will put us asunder. It doesn't matter what happens in between. He's coming back to me. He came back. He came back. My eyes saw. I was part of the experience. And he went nowhere until they both passed on. It became so strong that my mother-in-law was buried and the next week he couldn't stay. He went as well. Because this man stayed praying for him. He wasn't a believer. He was a Muslim man. But this one woman continued to pray until he gave his life. When he came back, he gave his life to the Lord. He dropped all the things he was doing. And he stayed. Pastor, I cannot hold on anymore. How am I going to tell people? After so many years, and after all the injustice, why should I, am I not human? Why should I still be believing God about this one thing? Stand and believe him. Let go of everything else that tells you I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to take it anymore. Believe God because he is the resurrection and the life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 4, 17 to 20. I want to read. I want to read and say to us, it doesn't matter the deadness of our womb. I said it doesn't matter the deadness of our womb. Your womb carries whatever destiny God has ordained for you. Are you following? Amen. And sometimes your womb is not able to hold onto it, just like in the natural, isn't it? Where's the doctor? In the natural, sometimes you cannot, your womb cannot hold onto what is yours. It doesn't matter in the natural what kind of havoc your womb is playing. But the destiny of God that is within, you will, it will come to pass in your life. Now, it doesn't matter the deadness of that womb. God is able to resurrect it. Hear me this morning. 
It doesn't matter the deadness. When God is speaking to you and you're not able to receive what he's saying, it means your womb is dead. When he's bringing seed to you and that seed you're not able to receive it, something is wrong with your womb. When there's destiny that is being released, when he's saying to you, this is what I have said, this is what I'm going to do, and somehow you're not able to take it in. You have a faulty womb. You probably have a dried out womb. Uh, a womb that is no longer able to hold on to anything. But he's the resurrection and the life. Amen. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, speaking about Abraham. In the presence of him who, de- who he believed. God who gives life to the dead. God who gives life to the dead. I said God who gives life to the dead. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God who gives life to the dead. God who gives life. I'm calling out the life out of the dead things in your life. God who gives life to the dead. The God who calls those things that be not as though they were. Amen. Amen. Verse 18. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So contrary, where it is, you cannot even hope anymore. Where it doesn't even make sense to hope. In hope believed. So that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. I I want you to know, and I said it at the beginning, you are actually not a weak person when it comes to faith. You have more faith than you think. Because like I said, if you're able to resurrect what you should not resurrect, then that which should be resurrected can resurrect. And it's only by faith that you can do that. So by faith, he was not weak in faith, and he did not consider his own body already dead. He did not think and say, I'm already dead. You know, there's nothing I can do. He considered what God had said. He held on to what God, all that mattered. All that mattered was that God said, you have a son. It wasn't about, he's like, I don't know how it's going to happen. But he said, I'm going to have a son. He did not consider that his body was dead. Amen? Because he was, what, about 100 years old. And neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not consider the fact that this womb is dried out. He did not consider the fact that it has become impossible. When it has become impossible for things to happen as they're supposed to happen, and you can stay in faith, you will see that which God has said. But you see, the problem is that we consider the deadness of our womb. We consider the deadness of our situation. We consider how long it has been. When we begin to say, Lord, if it had happened when I had just graduated from school, uh, because I had it all planned, amen. If this thing had happened, just as I graduated, or if it had happened, uh, just as I started work, 
if it had happened when I was still in my 30s and I was still in my 40s, uh, even in my 40s, it would have still been a little bit uh, difficult. But I was able to believe you in my 40s. What do you mean telling me in my 90s? Abraham did not consider the deadness. This morning I'm saying to you, you must not consider how dead the situation is. You must not consider how long it has been. You must not consider how, you know, what do I tell people? That, that is not important. What you consider is what God has said. What you consider is the word of God that has been spoken. Uh, oh, God said that I'm going to be a millionaire. <laughs> and I'm now 50-something. And I'm hearing that millionaires start when they're 21. I think uh, my time has passed. I think this prophetic word is for my children. No, 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 no. I do not consider the deadness of anything. I do not consider the age. Did he say that it will pass through my hands? It will pass through my hands. Hallelujah. Did he say that this is what he's going to do through me? This is what he's going to do through me. If he says he's going to do it through my children, he will do it through my children. But if he says it will happen through me, it will happen through me. Because I do not consider the deadness of my womb. Because he is the resurrection and he is the life. This morning, I, you know, I'm, I'm watching some of you here, and I can quickly pick a few things, but it's not necessary. But this morning, I'm saying to those of you that have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, not those of you that are feeling like, hear me well, not those of you that are feeling like, eh, we've heard this kind of word many times. It's not talking to people like you, because you are still where you are even though you've heard it so many times. So he's not talking to people that are like... <sighs> he's talking to people that are saying, Lord, I tremble at your word. If this is what you're saying now, I believe you. He's talking to people that are saying, I know that it has taken a very, very long time but I believe you. I believe you. He's talking to people. Listen, there's some ladies here. You look good. But your prayer life has decomposed. There's nothing happening in that arena. You come to church, all right. But there's nothing happening. Dead as in really dead. And as the word is coming, I expect you to be saying, Lord, resurrect my prayer life. I expect you to be, because listen to me. I was saying to one of my daughters, I said, daughters in the house, I said, if your prayer life is gone, get ready. The enemy is coming for you. (laughs) The moment you start, you start having problems praying. Yeah. I, I was saying, I said, sweetheart, don't say I'm just weak in prayer. 
I'm not able to pray. Ah, get, I said, just get ready. He's about to floor you. He's about to deal with you. Uh, he's about to do stuff in your life that it will take you a long time to recover. So you stay there and say, I don't know how I'm not able to pray. Meanwhile, sin waits at the door. He's outside. So when I'm speaking this morning, I'm talking about resurrection. And you know that your prayer life lives in resurrection. And you are yearning. Sin lies at your door. So our prayer life, it needs resurrection. You don't know the last time you opened the word of God and you want to wage a good warfare. How do you fight without the word? You want to fight and you have no word? And, and, and you are dead. Look. In fact, for God to bring you back, it's just because he's God. Or else your case is going to be very difficult. Because of how dead you are when it comes to the word of God. And this morning he's saying to you, I'm the resurrection of the life. I expect you to embrace it. Amen. And to say, Lord, you know my prayer life is dead, wow. dead, dead. I, I don't know the last time I looked into the word. The only time I hear the word is when I come into church. And when I finish hearing it, I go away and it does nothing. Amen. You should be crying and say, Lord, you are the resurrection and the life. Resurrect my word life. Resurrect. It is very dead. But resurrected. Lord, I don't have the capacity or the hunger for the things of the spirit. That's why I'm saying your womb, something is not right. And so when you realize there's something wrong with my womb where I don't have the capacity for the word, then you should say, Lord, resurrect. Wake it up. Wake it up so that I'm able to receive your word. So that I can tremble at your word once again. How long are we going to remain in the valley? Listen, sometimes you can be in the valley. But when you're in the valley, what word have you received? When you're in the valley, are you supposed to remain there forever? Do you not know that there's such a thing as a mountain top? But when you say, I've been in this valley for a very long time, so you want to die in the valley? <laughs> Listen to me. Even what belongs in the valley, God speaks life. Yes. Dry bones, decomposed bones, bones that are scattered, that belong in the valley because there's no life in them. God still said, can these bones live? Can these things that belong in the valley, can they live again and come out of the valley onto the mountaintop? Those are dead, dead decayed. How much more you? You who does not even belong in the valley. But you want to stay in the valley until you decompose. So how long has your situation been? How long has it been? Uh, listen, 
One of the most important th- things to me this morning, and you, you, you take the word as it applies to you, whether it is like we mentioned the husband area, business area, amen, prophetic words, whatever. One of the most important things to me is that you, are, you rise up as a mighty army. Amen. That you wake up, you get up from this place, and you're a mighty army. But you can never be an army. You can never be part of a mighty army if you are in the valley of dry bones. And if you are comfortable in that valley. If you are excusing yourself for being in that valley. And if you are saying to yourself, I've tried, but I'm still here. When you realize that this is a matter of life and death. Amen. For me to come out of here is important. Then you will do something about it. So if there's anything this morning you want to say, Lord, awaken me. Resurrect my prayer life. I know some prayer warriors in this house. I know some women who could pray. They pray and things happen. I don't know where they've gone. The same women who would pray things to happen. Are women who are yawning. There are women who are sleeping. There were some women in this house that we know if there's a situation, I can run to this one. And we can stand in prayer. But they're not sure about you anymore. Resurrection and life needs to come in. Listen, if your prayer life If your word life is not resurrected, nothing else will come alive. Every other thing will remain dead. Every situation. So you can run around with that situation. You can focus on that situation, but nothing is going to happen. So you make sure that the area, the foremost area that needs to come alive, comes alive. He's the resurrection and he's the life. When Lazarus died and Jesus went and he called him forth, Lazarus came forth, bound, amen. And Jesus said, lose him, take the garments. When blind Bartimaeus, when he had an encounter, And he was told, rise up. When he received his sight, what was the first thing he did? He dropped his cloak. He dropped his cloak. He stripped himself of the old. He stripped himself of of what he was known for. He, He practically said, I am coming out of the valley. I'm coming out of this dead place. I'm no longer in the valley of dry bones. I'm not going to be identified with this anymore. I no longer reside in the place of the dead. Lazarus, he said, remove all of those from him. Why? Because he's no longer in the valley. Because he's no longer in the place of the dead. Remove all that and let him come. There are things you need to be stripped off. 
There are things that need to, to come away. You need to strip it. You need to tear it out of your life. And you need to say today, Lord, I'm coming out. I need to tear complacency. Are you following? I need to tear laziness. That cloak of laziness, I have to rip it. So that I can step out of the valley of dry bones. I need to get rid of all of this anger. Are you hearing me? I need to get rid of this rage. Because it is the rage that has kept me in this valley. I need to get rid of it so that I can have a new identity. I need to get rid of these lies. Listen. I'm telling you. That if you continue to wear the cloak of lies. If you continue to wear the cloak of lies. Gabriel, Michael, Jesus, nobody can take you out of that valley. It's time to strip yourself. The different cloaks that you wear that identify you with death. Now, listen to me. You may be in a dead situation like we talked about, but you are still in faith. And you are still believing God. That is completely different from somebody who is wearing the cloak of death. The cloak of death is some of the things that I've named. When you put on lying, you are wearing the cloak of death. You put on what? Covetousness. You're wearing that cloak. Unbelief, you're wearing that cloak. Think of whatever it is that you put on that is contrary. Prayerlessness, you're wearing the cloak of death. But it's time to take it off. It is time to take it off. I have a promise from the Lord this morning to as many as will listen and believe him. To as many that will be honest enough to say, Lord, I need resurrection power. I'm the number one person to ask him for resurrection. I'm the number one person to say, Lord, resurrect. Resurrect me in this area. Resurrect this gift in my life. There's some areas of giftings that I've operated in. I I don't know where they are. Resurrect this gift in me. Resurrect this ability. Resurrect this. Resurrect, Resurrect this word that you have said. Resurrect what you promised. Resurrect it. Resurrect the things that are allowed to die because I was prayerless. Resurrected, oh God. I am the number one person that needs resurrection power. I am the one person. But I came for the number two in this house. Listen, if you are number two that needs resurrection power, that needs resurrection and the life, It doesn't have to be everyone because I believe everyone got something today. You got breakfast. (laughs) Yeah. If you didn't get this one, you got breakfast. So that's okay. You did not, you're not leaving here empty. You are full of food. But I know that there is a number two or maybe even a number three. Number four. There are few of us. There are few of us in this house this morning. That are saying, Lord, I need to be resurrected. 
Lord, I need your resurrection power. You are the resurrection and the life. And I need your life in me. I need to be quickened once again. I agree. I agree. I acknowledge that I am so dead. But I'm here this morning. And if you can resurrect the womb of a woman who is 90 years old, you can resurrect my womb. If you can resurrect the womb of a woman who is so stricken in age, um, I think it has only been two months that I've not been able to pray. You can resurrect my prayer life. I think maybe it is one year. I've been struggling. I'm trying. Sometimes I pray a little, but I've been struggling. Uh, uh, if you can resurrect a man who had died and decomposed for four days, uh, I think you can do something about my prayer life. I think you can do something concerning the things you said. I think something can still happen. You, you cannot say that I've been in it long enough. So I might as well carry on. No, this is the time to say, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. This is the time to cry out and say, have mercy, resurrect me. Let your power come into me and let it bring to life everything that has died. Everything that needs to be alive, that has slept. Let it wake up. Let it wake up so that we can be a mighty army in this house. Women of God. Women of God, listen to me. I have such a, a leading and a sense towards you, Jane. Such a leading and a sense towards you. Even speaking of resurrection. First of all, the things that do not need to stay alive must die. And the things that needs to come alive, listen, listen. Uh, wow, he zoomed in on you this morning because there's so much that you've trusted him for and there's so much that he has spoken about and there's so much, you, you know, you've, you, you, your faith has been alive at different times but that same faith has died at different times. But he's saying to you, I'm the resurrection. And I'm the life. And because it's like, Lord, time, you know, time is of the essence. How, how long? You, you, I wish you had come at this time. I wish you had been earlier. Why is it taking so long? My faith is not doing as well as it used to do. Because it's taking too long. But he's the God that resurrects. If this ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.